Welcome to Modern Aikidoist Podcast. This interview with Lenny Sly Sensei on Steven Seagal and Tenshin Aikido went longer than I thought, but we got into some very interesting topics. Due to the length, I've split the interview into two parts. Enjoy. Welcome to Modern Aikidoist Podcast. My sincere thanks to listeners and those who have liked, subscribed, and commented. Your interest is noticed and deeply appreciated. This podcast today is uh, coming from a, a commenter, and actually I want to thank him. His name is Edan Naor, and I hope I'm pronouncing that properly, but he asked a great question. He says, can you talk about Steven Seagal Sensei and Tenshin Aikido? The reason is that I see a lot of hate towards him in the general Aikido world, which I don't really understand why. For me, he is the reason why I started to train in Aikido in the first place, and I believe that the same is for many others like me. I thought this was a great question, so thank you, Edan, for, for posting this up. And when I uh, read this, I, I thought, well, you know, I have my own thoughts about Steven Seagal, but I've never met him. I've never uh, studied an attention Aikido dojo or other, other, other really instructor or have enough exposure to, to feel like I could speak knowledgeably, knowledgeably about it. But I know someone who does. So I'm interviewing uh, Lenny Sly today. Um, I called him up, said, hey, this is right up your alley. And so I wanted to bring him on. So welcome, Lenny. And uh, we've got a few questions, I think, that uh, we can cover to sort of get your take on this. And so maybe to start this out, tell us your background with Tenshin Aikido and your knowledge of Steven Seagal. Kind of just give everybody a, a kind of a picture of where you're coming from. Okay. Well, first off, thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. And thanks for considering for this uh, for this podcast. Um my attention Aikido, just like the gentleman that asked the question, um, and I would have to say it's pretty safe to say there's a lot of people out there in the world that started Aikido because of Steven Seagal, and I am definitely one of them. And, uh, you know, obviously, you know, when Above the Law came out, and I think it was like April or May of 2000, or 2000, excuse me, 1988, um, I mean, I never saw it in the movie theater. I saw it on video. So once I saw that, and, you know, that opening scene, um, that was in Above the Law, you know, at an Aikido dojo, I was immediately hooked. And for most of you that don't know this, um, that scene in Above the Law, the very beginning scene where he's demonstrating Aikido, that was actually filmed at his West Hollywood dojo. That wasn't a movie set. That was actually his real dojo that, you know, he ran, um, that he eventually made Haro Matsuoka Sensei, the chief instructor. And he did that, I believe, in 1985. And that's when he started pursuing a movie career was around that time. So technically from what I've been told and what I've, what I've heard that he retired from actively teaching Aikido as a profession to pursue a movie career. And obviously he did a pretty good job at that, especially, you know, like the first nine movies that, you know, that he made were, were pretty, pretty big, uh, box office hits to a certain extent. Um, my background attention Aikido, it's, uh, you know, I studied in traditional Aikido for roughly 16 years. And then made a kind of a crossover in um, like 2000 and started training with uh, a gentleman named Larry Renosa sensei. And Larry Renosa, to this day, as far as I know, is his highest ranked student directly under Steven Seagal. He was like one of two guys that got a, a fist on directly from Seagal. Mm -hmm. So eventually he outranked Matsuoka sensei because when Larry met, met Seagal sensei, I think in 1983, he was a Sandan and he was a student under Chiba Sensei's group. And then he somehow got wind of Steven Seagal coming back to the United States from being in Japan for, for several years. And he opened up a dojo out here and, and I guess he had a seminar of some sort and Renault and Sensei got wind of it, sent a couple students there and they came back saying, Oh my God, you got to see this guy. This guy's amazing. And however, 
uh, Renault Sassente hooked up with Seagal. However, that went down and went down, and, you know, the rest is history, I guess. You know, Larry Reynosa just, just became a direct student of Seagal Sensei's. So I turned with Larry Reynosa up um, from 2000 to 2007. It was an interesting time. It was um, it was very hard training. It was, um, it, was, it was very demanding. There was a lot of times, you know, you'd get hurt during class because it was serious. It wasn't, you know, it wasn't soft style type stuff. It wasn't about connecting with somebody center. It was really about, you know, applying Aikido in a practical sense. Um, within that time as well, I, I turned with Matsuoka Sensei a uh, handful of times, five, six times, seven times at seminars and whatnot. And around 2002, I went down to St. Louis to Elliot Freeman's dojo, uh, Three Rivers Aikido, and I was actually going down there to meet up with a different Aikido instructor that was hosting the seminar or that was, that was going to be the guest instructor and uh, it turned out that he couldn't make it. So another guy took his place and his name is George Angulo. George Angulo has been a direct student of Steven Seagal since 1990. And still to this day, I am, I am a direct student of his. As a matter of fact, I'm one of his senior most students ever. Um, I have a very good relationship with him. He's not as well known as some of the other guys because he, you know, he's, he's very low key. You know, he kind of stays, you know, on the down low. He's, you know, he's really not about, hey, look at me. I'm a student of Stephen Seagal. You know, he, you know, he would tell people that he's a direct student, but he didn't really promote himself as a way of being a salesman mm-hmm. to get people to, you know, to be with him as students and whatnot. Um, so my, my pension Aikido training dates back all the way to 2000. Mm-hmm. So it's been 19 years that I've been doing this style of Aikido. Um, the the term Tenshin Aikido or the name Tenshin Aikido, people need to understand something, and uh, I'm going to clarify this today. Steven Seagal does not address his Aikido as Tenshin Aikido. He doesn't call it Tenshin Aikido. He doesn't promote attention Aikido. It's just plain and simple Aikido. That's it. I'm the one that brand attention Aikido five years ago when I got on social media, when I started becoming pretty big at YouTube. So I started promoting that as tension Aikido. There's other people out there that have used the term ten or used the name term, whatever, whatever have you, um, tension Aikido within their training and whatnot. Here's the difference. And this is where I see the difference in this. <clears throat> if you've trained with any one of Seagal's, first generation students here in the United States, not the people they trained in Japan, but first generation students here, Craig Dunn, Larry Reynosa, Haro Matsuoka, when they were directly linked to Steven Seagal, then you did you did any type of Don testing, Shodan, Edan, Don Don, where any of the three promoted you or Steven Seagal himself promoted you, then you're a qualified Aikido instructor in the so-called name Tension Aikido. If you didn't go through that fire, you're not really qualified to teach this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, as far as I'm concerned. Because that Don testing that I went through was probably the hardest thing I've ever had to do martial art-wise. Um, I actually have a copy of my test on my YouTube channel, Rogue Warriors TV. Um, it was like a 45, 48-minute long test. It was brutal. It was it was, it was serious as a heart attack. I mean, at one point towards the end of the test, um, I had a broken, dislocated pinky toe on my right foot. And it was right before I was about to do Ron Dory. And Ron Dory is like, that is the black belt test with this style of Aikido. 
if you can't pass the Ron Dory, you're going to fail. And they had no problem failing people. And knowing the fact that I had a broken, dislocated toe, I mean, I, I pointed it out to Renault that day. Renault just said, you know, worry about it later, keep going. Meaning that you're in the middle of a test. You don't have time to buddy tape your foot, you know, buddy tape your toe to your other toe. I can, I can see where he's coming from with that. You know, obviously I'm not going to have a broken, dislocated toe on the street unless I'm wearing flip-flops, which I never do. So technically on the street, you wouldn't have to worry about it. So it's like, and part of me is like, uh, that really would have been cool if you would have let me do this to where I can buddy tape it. And the other part of me is like, I get it. I get the seriousness behind the actual Don test. But again, there's guys out there that claim to teach tension Aikido. There's guys out there that claim to be representatives, such, but, you know, directly under Steven Seagal, and they've never taken one of these tests. So that's a pretty small group then of, of people that were, that took those Don tests in that time under those, with those few instructors. Would you say that's true? And not all of them are still teaching. Some of them have have moved on or or are retired or what have you. Yeah. Well, they, there's people that have moved on. There's people that still teach. I mean, I mean, I'm, I'm, don't really know if I want to mention mention names. Sure, off the top that's fine. Of my head, but there's there's two or three guys out there right now that claim to be tension Aikido. And as far as I'm concerned, they they don't got a fucking pot of tension when it comes to that. Sure. You guys, okay. I know who they are. They know who I am. I've had conversations with these guys, and you know, the majority of them claim to be six dons. Six dons. Who the fuck promoted you to six dons? No. How did you get that promotion? Because you sure as hell did not get it from Steven at all. Then you sure as hell didn't get it from Matsuoka, Craig Dunn, Larry Renosa, George Angulo, okay, Elliot Freeman, okay, and these guys claim to be six times. Well, sorry for the profanity, but where the fuck did you get that rank from? Well, and it's a sad it's truth that in the martial arts world, you get pe- charlatans who are claiming to have lineage that that they didn't earn or that they have rank that they didn't yeah. deserve or what have you. They try to make themselves, especially with as much fame and reputation as goes with Steven Seagal's Aikido lineage. I mean, anybody would want mm-hmm. to uh, see value attaching themselves to that if, if uh, you know, they thought they could get students from it or, or you know, somehow increase their own. Family. Yeah, but the pro- absolutely. But the proof is in the pudding, though. Absolutely. You, know yeah. mm-hmm. you can sit there. You know, I don't give a shit what your rank says. People don't punch your belt. They punch your face. I've made that statement, I don't know, two dozen times over the last five years. Mm-hmm. It's real simple. If if you can't do basic tension Aikido, and I'm just going to use the word tension Aikido to describe the methodology of Steve Skull's Aikido. If you can't mm-hmm. do tension Aikido basically, you can't do the fundamentals the way how we do it, mm-hmm. the way how it was handed down to me from Renosa Sensei, Matsuoka Sensei, and especially George Angulo, then you really don't have a leg to stand on. So if you want to sit there and say that you're a tension Aikido instructor, okay, produce the video of the Don test that you took under any of the instructors that I named. Mm-hmm. And when you can't do that, and there's nobody there that can sit there and say, "Yeah, I was there. I watched him take the test." You're full of shit. Sure. Okay, I put mine up. Mm-hmm. Okay, Larry Renosa promoted me to Nidon. George Angula promoted me to the next three ranks after that. Mm-hmm. Okay. okay, so anybody wants to contest my rank as a fifth on, feel free and contact George Angulo. He's in Miami, Florida. Mm-hmm. Okay, you can contact him through Instagram. You can contact him through Facebook. He owns a personal training business. Sure. So a little shout out to, to Garage Incorporated. Mm-hmm. Um, 
that's out in South Miami, contact him. He'll be the first one to tell you that I'm I'm about as legit as it comes. Sure. I yeah, I don't He'll think anybody you. would be challenging your your uh your rank or, or your lineage. <laughs> and I think that no, I in, in in Edan's question about Tenshin Aikido, I think, you know, you get a snapshot of what what tension is right now. I've got some questions about what it could be in the future, what possibilities there are based on what's going on now. But also let's look back to the past, which is uh some of the commonly had held beliefs about Steven Seagal, which are accurate and which are not accurate. One of the big ones that always comes up with the claim is that he was the first non-Japanese allowed to open a dojo in J- Japan. And uh, I know we talked a little about this in the pre-interview, but as I understand it, he wasn't he dating a, a daughter of an Aikido instructor over there that had a dojo and he trained there and then kind of inherited. Do you know that story at all? Yeah, I, I know a little bit about that story. Um, okay. From what I've been told and from what I know, okay, Miyako Fujitani was his first wife, and he had two kids with her. Mm-hmm. And he basically, my understanding is he met her at a seminar, I believe it was in California, and somehow, some way, he got the means to fly to Osaka, Japan, and seek her out. And obviously, he had a thing for her, and that's... Mm-hmm. It's, you know, it's just how things go. You have an attraction towards somebody, you know, especially if they're from another country and he's doing the same martial arts that she's doing. And ironically, Miyako Fujitani actually outranked Stevenson all the time. He was a showdown and she was a not, uh, Ida. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously gained entrance into the dojo. Then, you know, one thing led to another. They ended up getting married. And the dojo, from my understanding, the Osaka Tension Dojo, that's where tension comes from. Mm-hmm. Tenshin Aikido comes from the name of the dojo, the Osaka Tenshin Dojo. So it's Tenshin Dojo, not Tenshin Aikido, Tenshin Dojo. Um, he, uh, the dojo was doing doing extremely poorly, from my understand my understanding. So he talked to Miyako Fujitani's father, who is an Aikido instructor and owned owned the Osaka Dojo, and he convinced him that he can turn around the school being the chief instructor, mm. and. So he did. You know, a lot of that, you know, when he was in Japan, you know, he didn't, my, I think he, he might've, I, I heard rumors that he might've taught it, you know, in English class, Japan. I think a lot of foreigners do that. Mm-hmm. That go to Japan. That's how they find work. Cause they teach English to Japanese people, you know, to make money. But Steven Seagal from, from what I've been told, he spent a lot of time training with high end Aikido instructors. And one of them, a very prominent Shihan directly under Osente was, Hiroshi Isoyama. Mm. Isoyama is a monster. Mm. I mean, the way how this guy throws people, it's just, it's, it's just brutal. I mean, he just, he slams people left and right. Um, you can clearly see where Seagal gets his Riminage from. It's from him. He's obviously made adjustments to the way how Isoyama taught him versus the way how he actually does it. Mm. Uh, there's not a lot of hand deflections that are involved in Isoyama's Aikido because I really haven't seen any. I haven't seen like the Sudiage, the Ukanagashis, you know, Sotogiri, things like that. Um, you know, he does uh, Giri where you're cutting the wrist from being grabbed, which we do, and it's that's still done very heavily in, in Seagal's method about methodology of Aikido. So he trained with Isoyama. He trained with a couple other people, and uh, I believe you can find a video on YouTube of Christian Tissier talking about. Steven Seagal getting a fifth on and at one point I guess 
the rumor has it Seagal went from Shodan to Godot, like in one promotion. How that was pulled off, I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, was he the only Westerner that opened up? That was the first non, excuse me, first non-Japanese person to open up an Aikido school. He didn't open up the Aikido school. He opened up no Aikido school. He just took over an existing Aikido school and became the chief instructor. Mm. That's what that story is. Okay. You know, if it's any different, then Sigal Sensei needs to make a video of his own and tell people what the truth is and actually be honest about it and don't bullshit because there's a lot of stuff out there that Steve Sigal talks about, which is you can look up online and you can clearly see that um, it's not accurate. Sure, sure. It's almost some lot of things are embellished. And, and that's um, what brings me up uh, actually to, to Edan's original question. He said, um, a lot of hate that seems to be directed towards Steven Seagal by the Aikido community. And my own personal feeling on this is that, um, you know, there's kind of Steven Seagal, the Aikido instructor, and then Steven Seagal, the actor, and kind of Steven Seagal, then the, the man, the personality. And there are a lot of crossover with the rumors. Some people don't like his acting, which, I mean, that that's, could be a valid criticism. Um, and then kind of the things that you talked about, some of the scandals, the, uh, disputes about who said what to who or who who you know did what. There are a lot of uh, actors and personalities that that said, "Yeah, I worked with Steven Seagal, and I wouldn't want to do it again," and all those kinds of things. And I I think that reputation has got a large part to do with why Aikido practitioners or even just people in general might look at look at him with kind of a furrowed brow and you know, yeah, I don't really. There's not really much good I like about this guy uh, as being part yeah, of it. That's normal, though, correct? What's that? That would be now because there's, you know, that right. people that like people in the past didn't like Steven Seagal, but more so now with social media being huge compared to what it was 20 years ago, not existing. Yep. Indeed. Um, you know, in fact, I just ran across a, a comment just today. Uh, somebody posted up and said, I was a huge Seagal fan until I learned more about his personality. I think if you were encapsulated it down to one sentence, that was a really good description of you know, hearing about some of the things that he was involved in or some of the things he said or things that he claimed that were disproven or, you know, uh, things that were or people, accusations. Uh, accusations made against him that he then came and denied and, and um, a lot of stories. And I, I don't want to dig too much deep into that because anybody can go on, on YouTube or Google, yeah. you know, into, into that. They can dig into the, all the scuttlebutt and the rumors. But I think that in the it's end, still- when there's a lot of smoke, people start to think, well, maybe there's some fire there. And there seem, there does seem to be a lack of people that can come out and say, you know, I worked with Steven Seagal for years and he's a great guy. He would do anything for you. You know, he's, he's, there just seems to be a lack of that and a lot more of, yeah, I met him and he was kind of a jackass sort of opinion. So I've never met him. Yeah. I don't know. But, you know, if I had to bet a paycheck on it, I would lean one way to, <laughs> rather than the other. Um, yeah. So I just want I just wanted to put that out there. I'd met him. I'd met mm-hmm. Steven Seagal. I've never trained with him personally. Mm-hmm. Um, he, uh, I mean, yeah, there's there's a lot of accusations that I'm not going to go into. But like you said, you can Google you can Google Steven Seagal's name, and I'm sure all the dirt's going to come up. Whether or not sure. that stuff is true or it's been unfounded or whatever, that's that's neither here nor there, and it's really right. none of our business. Exactly. You know, yep. it's. Whatever, whatever he did, and whatever people accused him of doing or whatnot, mm-hmm. you know that's that's that, that's just it is what it is. You know what I'm saying? But when it when it comes down to his Aikido ability, mm-hmm. um, it's funny because when I when I first 
started training in Aikido, and I trained in a traditional dojo. I trained at Chicago Aikikai directly under Kevin Schultz Sensei, who was a direct student of Sui Satomi's for a very, very long time. I remember, like it was yesterday, bringing up Steven Seagal's name to Kevin Schultz Sensei, and Kevin Schultz Sensei just rolled his eyes at me and gave me this look. And I'm like, do you not like him? Mm-hmm. And he just kind of just sat there, and I'm like, well, what do you think of his Aikido? And he just kind of, he really never gave me solid answers to whether why he likes him or not like him. But I got the I got the impression that what Steven Seagal was showing on the silver screen was more like Hollywood style Aikido, which in reality it's not. That's exactly what he does. Because if anybody has seen the documentary on Steven Seagal past beyond thought, you'll see vintage film of him in the seventies doing Irimage and Nerofiage and Kotogaishi and La Dori and all different types of techniques that he does in his movies way before he was ever a movie star. Mm-hmm. And that's the style of Aikido that he was teaching. You know, was he an innovator of Aikido? Um, I would have to say yes to a certain degree because the methodology that I understand was, it, you know, it was about having a practical form of Aikido. You can take the dance form, which is the traditional stuff, but this is more along the lines of the quote that Craig Dunn said, pass me off the side. You can take the dance form and you can dance with it. But if you have to take that dance form and you have to use it practically, you're going to be a little disappointed. Because if you don't know how to use something practically and you just know the dance form of it, and then using the dance form is a lack of better words, like the softer style or, you know, the love, peace, and harmony style of Aikido. And you got to turn that into something brutal to defend yourself or defend somebody else or your loved ones or whatever. If you don't know how to do that, you're going to get smashed. Mm-hmm. You know, and the majority of guys that I've trained over the years and guys that I know that are actually legit tension Aikido guys, they can do tension Aikido and they can go into a traditional dojo, no problem. And they can follow along and do what the traditional people do as well. But you can't take a traditional guy and put him in a tension dojo and have that do what we do on the first day. Sure. There's no way. Because there's, there's way too many intricacies with hand deflections. Um, you know, and it's funny because, you know, I've heard comments of Steven Seagal saying there's not that much uh, difference in what I do compared to what everybody else does. And, you know, I, sorry, but I beg to differ with that, um, to a very extreme level because Neuroskiage is done a very particular way. And I've seen people attempt to do that and it looks nothing like what we do. Um, Kolsidori Nikyo is an extremely powerful way in how we do it. And I see a lot of people doing it wrong all the time. The footwork is different. Hand deflections, you know, are are one of our uh, major training principles is not get punched, grabbed, kicked, or taken to the ground. The only way you achieve that is through hand deflections by deflecting somebody's attack. There is no deflections in any other style of Aikido. And again, I don't really give a fuck what anyone has to say about that. Because I've heard tons of people say, we do hand deflections here. We do hand your ass you do. Okay. Because I've seen those other systems. I'm, you know, I'm not just some guy that's walked around the block once. I've been around the block several times. Mm-hmm. And I've yet to see an Aikido style out there, whether it's Aikikai, Yoshinkan, Iwama, Sadokan, whatever, Tomiki. I've yet to see any other style other than tension Aikido use hand deflections. You know, we, is, we talked a little insane. about, like, what the influences that Seagal had. And obviously, the, the harder style wasn't his own invention. He actually worked with other instructors that did that. It's my understanding that Seagal, at some point, crossed paths with, I think it was an Iaido or a, 
a sword style. Yeah, and and got exposed to Kenjutsu, got exposed to those deflections that were sword applicable, and he saw great value in it, and he decided to kind of adopt those into empty hand. Is that accurate? Okay. Absolutely. That is 100% accurate. And the one thing that I find a huge kick out of is when I get people that comment on my videos saying, oh, that's Tung Sao and that's Bung Sao from Wing Chun. Or somebody mm-hmm. goes, those are the same hand deflections, the same hand movements that's used in Salat. We got news for you. No, they're not. Mm-hmm. They're nowhere near the same. Mm-hmm. They're not the same. But people say, that's the same thing as Wing Chun. That's the same thing as Salat. That's the same thing as it. No, it's not. Mm-hmm. It's not. Those are actual sword deflections from Kenjitsu. Mm-hmm. Okay? There's, you know, Kendo, there's Aiki Ken, there's Kenjitsu, there's EI Jitsu, there's EI Do. Jitsu means practical application of battlefield technique. Mm-hmm. Kenjitsu is practical application of the sword. So when you're doing sword deflections, Ukanagashi, Sudiage, you know, things like that, he was able to take those sword deflections remove the sword, incorporate them into empty hand, and use them as a means to fend off being punched, grabbed, kicked, or taken to the ground. Mm. So it's all based off of the Japanese Kenjitsu system, which it doesn't seem like anybody knows what was the actual style. Matsuoka says they might know, but he's not talking about it. Mm. I've asked George Angulo about it. And Angulo Sensei says, yeah, he's a Fuke, which means grandmaster. He was actually held, or he was handed the lineage of this particular Kenjitsu system. And nobody seems to know what style it is or what form of Kenjitsu it is. And, you know, Ukadagashi is nothing new when it comes to sword work. I mean, it's in every sword system. It's in mm-hmm. it's in medieval sword work. Yeah. It's not just in Japanese you know, exactly. jitsu. It's, it's a deflection that's, you know, universal. It's used across the board in a lot right. of other swords. Swords are swords all over the world throughout history. I mean, they've got some variations and a little bit of differences here and there, yeah. but by and large, the principles are all the same. Yeah, very much so, yeah. But the, the hand deflections, that was, he completely innovated that. I mean, there's, mm-hmm. there's you know, with the exception of Kiriage. Kiriage is my creation. Mm-hmm. You know, the AKA bitch slap I touched that the last time you were out here. Right. Yep. That is that is something that I developed on my own from a Kenjitsu system that I was training in. Mm-hmm. Um, I saw value in it and it's it's in ninety percent of the stuff that I do when it comes to hand deflections because it's mm-hmm. a fast application and it's it, it helps with the second deflection sure. um that you could do. Mm-hmm. So it's they're very practical, they, they they work extremely well. Um they definitely uh fit with the, the principles of don't get punched, grab, kicked, or taken down on the ground. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's just, it's an interesting concept. It's an interesting thing to add to your Aikido training. And, you know, and for the life of me, I don't understand why more and more people are not adopting these hand deflections into their Aikido. Because, mm-hmm. you know, people think that they can catch a punch out of the air. Which is absurd. Let's, let's wait. <laughs> it's absurd. Yeah. People need to wake up. You know, it's this is, you know, 2019. No. You know, if you think any joint locks are going to work off of striking, you know. Uh, well, and that's the thing. It, it, when you practice it slowly, you can get away with things you cannot get away with at speed. And so you yeah, get seduced yeah. into this belief of, oh, I can I can snatch a punch out of the air. And, and then oh, you practice it for years and now you believe it, but it's still not true. Um, it's Yeah. And that's it, the thing with joint locks. You know, it, it's, you know, 
Poltergeisty, Nikyo, Sankyo, um, mm-hmm. you know, Hiji, you know, uh, Hiji Shime. It's a lot of people, it's the way the methodology of Aikido is taught, is taught attack at the front, attack at the front. You know, when you do like Munetsuki, Koltegaishi, if you think, if you think for one second somebody's going to punch you like that and, and follow along with you to be able, and then for them, you'll be able to apply Koltegaishi. Um, you know, you keep telling yourself that I hope it makes you sleep better at night because that's, that's complete bullshit. It's sure. when chaos breaks out and violence is erupted and somebody's throwing, you know, 10 punches at you within a matter of a second, you're never going to get a joint lock off of any strike, whether it's a showman. Joint locks really are secondary tools. They're not primary tools. And I know when I watch uh, Tamiki, Oh boy, we're kind of getting a little off track, but I'll just mention when I see Tamiki, uh, the Brandori or the um, competitions they do, it, mm-hmm. it's pretty clear that they've made joint locks as their primary, the first thing you're trying to do. And that's to me why it looks tends to look so strange. Like it does, this doesn't look like judo or wrestling or any other competitive combat because they're overlooking all the other stuff that happens like a joint lock is a backup of what happens when you get into a messed up position and you have an opportunity, yeah. but not because you let off with it. Kind of like a boxer would never lead off with an uppercut because it's, that's an opportunity type of a shot. You only take it once other things have happened and you see that you have that, that opportunity. Um, yeah. Anyway, did you, that, you know, they, yeah, go they ahead. Take that, you know, they don't, they don't get that. And this is something that I've been meaning to talk about for a while. So I'm just taking this opportunity to, to address that. Is just that, you know, joint applications, small joint applications will never, okay, I'm going to repeat this, and this might be a shock to some of the listeners here, will never work against somebody that's trying to punch you with the intent to smash your face. Because they're going to punch, they're going to retract, they're going to punch you with the other hand, they're going to retract, they're going to punch you with the other hand, they're going to retract. It's going to be fast, it's going to be explosive, and it's going to hurt if it connects. You're never going to be able to point to be able to pull off a joint lock when it comes down to those terms. Joint locks are used for control purposes, pain compliance purposes, extremely useful for law enforcement, extremely useful for security details. Because usually when you're dealing with somebody from a law enforcement capacity, it's not an all-out brawl. If you have to put somebody in handcuffs and they start resisting, that's when these joint locks come into play. Mm-hmm. That's a good point. That's when, the, that's when they work the most effective. Now, do I teach them? Do I teach joint locks from punching aspects? Yeah, I do. But here's the thing. Like you said, it's not a primary. It's a secondary thing. You mm-hmm. have to set up the technique with something else. Hand mm-hmm. deflection, attend me to the face. Hand deflection, attend me to the body. Something that's going to break their focus and concentration and their their goal to inflict bodily harm on you. Then you then you go into the secondary move, which would be a wrist lock control technique or an elbow lock of some sort or, or a choking technique or some sort, you know, anything of that. Sure. But to be able to pull that stuff off of right from the jump from a punch, you're going to get hit. No, that's very true. Especially if, there's no hand, especially if you don't have hand deflections deployed. If you can't do hand deflections and you're trying to catch us out of the air, I hope you got a good dental plan because you're going to be getting, you're gonna be getting implants. That's that's a good your, point. Your teeth knocked out. Yeah, that's very true. So let's j- jump back onto track. And you mentioned this very briefly, but I did I did want to ask because I think a lot of people are curious about this. Is that how long did Steven Seagal teach Aikido in the U.S. before he started in action movies? 
And then when he started getting into the movies, did he continue teaching or staying active at all? Or did he kind of go, go uh, semi-retire or sort of drift off into, into his career? Okay. That's a good question. I, and, and I kind of mentioned this a couple minutes ago. <clears throat> Steven Seagal had a student. His name was Michael Ovitz. And Michael Ovitz at the time was the, the agent to be, to be hooked up with. If you're a movie star, Michael Ovitz was your agent. Mm-hmm. He was a very powerful man in Hollywood. I don't even know if the guy's still alive. He was a student of Steven Seagal's. And at one point, I guess, Matsuoka Sensei was traveling to this man's house. Um, I think the guy lived off of like Mulholland Drive, something like that. And was personally training this guy, doing private lessons with him. Um, he saw value in Steven Seagal's teaching and basically set up a screen test for Warner Brothers or whatever, and the rest was history. You know, obviously, he became a movie star. But it, it, from what I was from what I was told, from what I was heard, Steven Seagal pretty much retired from being an active Aikido instructor in 1985. Steven Seagal didn't make it big until 1988. Mm. So he was <laughs> he was pursuing it. But finally got a big break. But the dojo, the chief instructor was Matsuoka from 1985 until 1997. And then Matsuoka, for whatever reason, left and went back to Japan. I cannot elaborate on that story because I just, I don't know the details of why he left Seagal. Mm, okay. um, not 100% sure exactly the reason why. It's never really been talked about the reason why. It just happened. You know, he has no longer a connection with Larry Renosa, hasn't had a connection with Renosa since 2000. Um, so it's just one of those things. So my understanding is he stopped teaching professionally in 1985 to pursue a movie career. Now, did he continue on teaching after he became famous? Yeah. From what I know, yes, he did. Um, it just wasn't as often because that wasn't his primary focus in life anymore. His primary focus in life was a movie star, you know, being an actor. So obviously he was pursuing that more. Now, did he train with his senior guys? I believe he did. Um, I don't think it was on a regular basis. It's whenever he was in town and had time to, and had time to do it. You know, there were seminars uh, from the layer and also since they share with me, you know, he produced 13 seminars with Steven Seagal and a lot of, not a lot, but clips of the seminar footage were actually put in documentary path beyond thought, you know, you're talking Ventura County college, you know, he held a couple of seminars there, you know, he had a seminar at his, uh, Montana ranch, um, I think he had another seminar at another ranch that he has in California. I, I don't I think he had a couple in California at one time where he had one sold and then had another one. Um, some of that footage is actually seen in Path Beyond Thought as well. But 13 seminars of an Aikido instructor that not a lot of people knew about until he became famous. Um, and, he's, you know, you got to remember, social media wasn't around. So it's like you're not going to be seeing, you know, seminar flyers on Facebook because Facebook didn't exist. Mm-hmm. So this is kind of like an like an, an insider thing. You needed to know somebody to know that this was happening. You know, otherwise there's no way of getting the information out to tell people that there were seminars being held. But Sigal Sente back when Sigal Sente was, you know, was still in his primes, you know, because you couldn't get the word out, you know, you know, put an ad in the newspaper, hey, Stephen Sigal seminar. You know, they didn't do that. Right. You know, so it was word of mouth type of thing. And, you know, if you knew somebody that knew about it, then there was a really good chance that you were going to go, you know, or that you could go. But, you know, he, um, 
you know, I've had conversations with George and Google Sunday about this. You know, there's guys, like I said, there's guys out there that, that claim to be students of Steven Seagal's or claim to have been students of Steven Seagal's. And they only trained with Seagal once or twice for a couple hours in his backyard at his Brentwood home when he had a home in California. Mm-hmm. What type of what type of training do you think you're going to get from a guy that's a movie star that comes out for 15, 20 minutes, demonstrates the technique, then walks back inside and sits in his house for three hours and comes back out and you guys are still doing the same technique? I'd be pissed. <laughs> you know, if that was me... I travel all the way from Chicago to sit outside in your fucking backyard for three hours while you're eating hot dust ice cream and you don't want to come out and teach anything else until you're ready because now you're sitting in your high and mighty throne as being an actor. That's bullshit. Isn't that, that kind of the rumor or kind of how things seem to go when, when those seminars tended to happen? Is that kind of how? Well, the, the seminar seminars, the ones that were held, mm. you know, that were actually events were held at colleges and stuff. Those were different. Oh, okay. You know, he okay. was there front and center, but any type of, you know, these guys that claim to be direct students of his, you know, how much mat time did you really get with Steven Seagal? Right. But they post all over their, all over their websites, how they were direct students of his for 10 years. Okay. How many times have you trained with Steven Seagal in 10 years? Mm-hmm. How many hours of training did you log down with him? I'm willing to bet it's only a couple hours per person. Mm-hmm. Because think, I mean, think about it. You ever been to a Satomi Sensei seminar? I have not. No. Okay. How about Ikeda? Who have you, who have you been to? Uh, I've done Ikeda a couple of times. Uh, Yamada uh, once. Uh, okay. Just a couple, but none of no. which I would ever claim I was a student of, just because Perfect. you know you get one student, you know, one one class. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. So if you if you train with Ikeda Sensei, say three seminars, does that make you a direct student of Ikeda Sensei? Oh heck no. Not even close. No, it doesn't make you a direct student of his. No. Some of these jackasses out there that claim to be direct students of Steven Seagal did one class with Steven Seagal and Steven Seagal accepted them right. said, you know, you're my personal student. So they take that and they run with it. You know, I'm a direct student of Steven Seagal. Okay. Does anybody ever question you? And and how many times you train you know, how many times do you train with Steven Seagal all the time? God, that must have been such an amazing thing to be able to learn from Steven Seagal. I am so jealous. You know, did they ask, how many times did you actually train with him? No, they don't ask because they automatically assume that it was all the time. But it really wasn't. It was once or twice over the course of 10 fucking years. Right. How can you sit there and say that you're a direct student of his? Mm-hmm. Especially if you've gotten zero rank from him. You've never taken a Don test and been promoted. Because that's technically, when somebody... And I look at, you know, my, my showdown came from Satomi, but I don't claim to be a direct student of Satomi Sensei's because he promoted me to showdown. I was being promoted because Kevin showed Sensei had to go through the protocol of Satomi Sensei to test me for showdown. That's just the way how things work in organizations, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I never claimed to be a direct student of Satomi Sensei, but I was a part of that organization. I was a direct student of Kevin Schultz Sensei, but Satomi Sensei awarded me the showdown. I was a direct student of Larry Rinaldo's. And I got promoted by him. I was a direct student. I am a direct student of George Angulo. And I've been promoted by him. Mm-hmm. But these guys that are trained with Steven Seagal, you know, a couple times, and all of a sudden, abracadabra, they're six dons, and it's all over their website. So I was a direct student of Steven Seagal. I'm a Roku don, six don, and Aikido, blah, blah, Bullshit. Mm-hmm. Bullshit. You're just sensationalizing your fucking lie. That's all that you're doing. And people know about me. I don't like to fucking lie about shit. I don't lie about shit. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to call anybody out 
when I see fit, and this is like I said, I'm not going to mention names because I can embarrass a lot of people out there, mm-hmm. and I won't. Mm-hmm. I won't do that because whoever, if these guys are listening to this and they're scratching their heads going, oh, I wonder who Buddy's talking about. I'm talking about you, jackass. That's who I'm talking about. That's well, who I'm talking about. Well, that kind of brings us to sort of the state of what Tenshin Aikido is today. Like, uh, And I've heard some rumors that, that Seagal right now is over in Russia. Well, it's not a rumor. It is, but that he's there. And the rumor is that he's trying to kind of get back into the Aikido world a little bit. I've seen some online videos of, uh, I guess, a demonstration that he did or a some kind of a seminar or something that he did over, over in Russia fairly recently. Um, last October. I'm sorry, say that again. It was, it, that happened last October. Was it? Okay. It was called the, it was called the Budo festival. Um, hmm. he, he's been appointed the Shihan of the Russian Aikido Federation. Hmm. That's, he's been appointed the Shihan of that. And these guys are traditional Aikido people. These are like Aikido people. But he's been promoted, or he's been been put in position of the chief instructor, the the main shihan of this organization, which is fine. Mm-hmm. Okay, but how much time is he dedicating to these people? Yeah, Even that I've not heard anything about. Here's the thing: I don't really want to talk a lot of mad shit about Seagal because mm-hmm. there's a lot of stuff that I can say that would be very disappointing to a lot of people. And this is actual stuff that I know that is true, that has been founded to be true. Mm-hmm. Okay. So I'm not going to go into that. Yeah, we can keep it classy. That's, that's, I'm totally fine with that. So, yeah, I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to go off the end and tell people the stuff that I know that isn't going to paint a pretty, pretty nice picture. Mm. I admire Steven Seagal for his Aikido. I respect Steven Seagal for his Aikido. But when it comes to other things, that's a whole other topic. Okay. But mm-hmm. his, what he's doing right now is, you know, being the, being the chief instructor of this Russian Aikido Federation. How much time is he spending over there with those students? Yeah. Probably not a lot because he's, you know, he's, he's pretty busy promoting, you know, movies going straight to DVD. Nothing's, you know, ending up in Warner Brothers or Sony Pictures or on you know, on a silver screen. Everything's going straight to DVD or it's being streamed. Mm-hmm. He's not making any mainstream movies. Mm-hmm. He's not well-liked in Hollywood. So he has his own production company. And this is how he's doing this. And this is how he's making money doing it. God bless him. Make as much money as you possibly can. Why is he coming back to the Aikido world? I don't know. It's kind of like, you know, it's kind of like full circle. That's how he started off. You know, he sure. was hardcore badass in Aikido and, and he hit the silver screen and he took the world by storm and and he kicked ass and take names and then his you know unfortunately his movie career pretty much tanked. Mm-hmm. Um and now it's coming back around full circle and he's he's I don't know, maybe he's trying to reinvent himself and get back into Aikido because he feels the need to do that. And if he does then you know God bless him. I wish him the best of luck. Mm-hmm. Um He's obviously not going to be the same Steven Seagal that we saw in, you know, 1980, you know, 1988, 89, 90, 91, 92. Mm-hmm. You know, you get older, can't move as fast. You're not as sharp as you used to be. You know, you you pack down a few pounds. You know, it happens to all of us, I guess. I mean, it hasn't happened to me yet. I'm almost 49, so I guess I'm blessed with that, you know, yeah. ability. Well, and Seagal is what, in his 60s? 67. 60, yeah, he's almost 70 years old. And I mean, his movies really made Aikido recognizable back in, what was it, the early 90s or late 80s? Um, uh-huh. I, and I just wonder, would, would 
his reemergence into the Aikido community or into the movies again, if he broke out with not just DVD, you know, going straight to DVD movies, but had another blockbuster, you know, would that make Aikido popular again? Or maybe a younger actor, a new one that came in that would showcase what Aikido was, you know, in a movie that was made sometime, you know, fairly recently. Because as I understand it, some of his recent movies, like in the last 15 years, really didn't have much Aikido in it compared to what was shown in the first you know, four or five movies that he released. Yeah. Well, part of the problem with that too is, um, I don't know how many people know about this, but I've talked about this before in the past. Um, but obviously this is pretty relevant for what we're talking about right now. Maybe a lot of people know this, maybe people, a lot of don't, don't know this. All the stunt guys in the fight scenes for everything that was produced by Warner brothers was Steven Seagal Sensei's direct students. He didn't use stunt people. He used his actual students. Matsuoka Sensei, Larry Renalsa, Craig Dunn, Ben Dang, Stevie Palmer, Carlos Gonzalez, uh, Luis Silva. Okay. Um, he used those guys in all the fight scenes. Why? Because they all know how to move. They all know which direction he's going. They know how to take him coming from that and make it very, make it very dynamic looking. You couldn't teach a stunt guy what those guys already knew. So from a production standpoint, can you imagine how much money he saved, you know, the, the producer of that movie, just for the fact that he had guys that already knew how to do this. So rehearsal time for fight scenes were probably very short. And then they went, they went right to live and filmed it because these guys knew exactly how to move. Mm-hmm. You got to teach a sound guy how to take, you know, an Arimi Nage breakfall. That's mm-hmm. not an easy thing to learn. It's, 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 it's a hard thing to learn. And you miss that um, once and you're going to be recovering for a couple of days. Yeah. And if you already know how to do it, you can do it on concrete. Mm-hmm. You can do it on a, you know, on a hard surface. You don't need to have mats because you know how to fall. Is it going to hurt? Yeah, it's going to hurt. But how bad is it going to hurt versus somebody that doesn't know how to fall like that and has not fallen like that for 15, 20 years? Mm-hmm. Stunt guy or no stunt guy, you know, that's going to leave a mark. <laughs> Oh, yeah. You know, it's, yeah. it's, it's going to hurt. So he used all of his students for the fight scenes. And then obviously he parted ways with, with all of them, except for Ben Dang to what I know because Ben Dang was actually a, a movie producer in a lot of his straight to DVD movies. If you look at the credits, mm. he was a movie producer, mm. you know, so he <clears throat> lost touch with those people, you know, uh, Stevie Palmer, I don't even know if he's still around Carlos Gonzalez last time I heard still directly in Armazuoka Sensei. Craig Dunn is directly in Armazuoka Sensei. Luis Silva is directly in Armazuoka Sensei. Um, Larry Reynosa is completely on his own. Um, he has no connection with any of those people anymore. Um, this is the end of part one of the interview. Part two will be released in a couple of days, which has more great information and an exciting announcement. Stay tuned. What other topics are you interested in hearing covered in this podcast? Please share your ideas in the comments if you are watching this on YouTube, or go to the Facebook group Aikido the Marshall side and post a comment. You can also support this podcast by donating either through a monthly sponsorship or a single donation of any amount you like. I always enjoy hearing from the listeners of the show, whether through comments or questions. Thank you all for sharing your interest. Enjoy your training.